Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Soul Food. This is Eli Blaylock. I'm sitting here with Pastor Alvin Summers. Uh, today, we're going to continue a talk that we had just a few weeks ago where we have talked about what unifies a church. And so I'm, I'm excited to continue this talk, and I think our pastor is excited, too. Are you? I am. Okay, I well, am. that's good. All right, <laughs> well, we think you should be excited as well. So we're, we're here, and we are ready to uh, rock and roll. If you didn't catch the last episode, before we get into this one, I just want to encourage you to go back through your podcast feed and find that episode. Um, because where we started, you know, talking about what unifies a church is we, we started talking about our beliefs, our doctrine, our theology, because that really is the starting point for our unity. We're, we're unified first by what we believe and what we confess together as as Christians. Um we have to start there. If we don't start there, then things are going to go wrong. So definitely go back and listen to that one. But assuming that you've already heard it and you're joining us today, we want to add to that that good theology, right doctrine, right belief by itself does not unify a church. Um, theology, when it is done right, should lead to worship. You know, when you when you believe the right things, when you confess Jesus as Lord, then what should come out of that belief should be a posture of worship um, to the God that you confess you believe in. Um, and so I think that, that one of the things that should unify not just individual local churches, but the global church as a whole is our worship. So let, let's talk about worship today. That's what today is going to be all about. So, Pastor, why don't we start with just defining what worship is? Well, before I get there, let me back up to a portion mm -hmm. of the introduction. You said theology by itself um, can't or oftentimes does not unify the church. The question mm -hmm. is, why doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Given the fact that uh, from what we do in church and as a body is built in and around the Word of God. And so contextually, what we believe ought to make us one. Mm -hmm. Considering the fact one Lord, one faith, one baptism, same God above all, through all, and in us all. Mm -hmm. It should unify us, that theological praxis. Right. But somehow or another, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And part of that is how we understand what the Bible says around theology and talking about God. And then mm -hmm. that that premise or that process then filters over into how we understand what we do in terms of worship or doxology. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question, worship in itself has a couple of pieces. Um, in in the Greek, it has this idea of bowing down, you know, laying prostrate. In mm -hmm. Hebrew context, it has the idea of offering praise or adoration to or submitting to something else in full submission. Mm -hmm. Not partial, but absolute total submission. Mm -hmm. So worship, practically, is our commitment to submit all of ourselves and every facet of our being unto our God. Sure. And I have nothing to add to that whatsoever. So I, we're just going to roll with that right <laughs> there. Right, right. Um, why don't we talk a little bit on, on two planes right quick. As an individual, how do I by myself worship? Well, I mean, that's a it's an easy question, but it's also a difficult question. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because I often tell people that you've got two gods in your life. Mm -hmm. The one that you feed the most is the one that rules you. Mm -hmm. Most people spend their time feeding themselves. Mm -hmm. what they like, what they don't like, where they want to go, where they don't want to go, who they don't spend time with, so forth and so on. And so mm -hmm. out of that context of understanding who they are, they then 
sometimes have the God of the universe placate to them, to mm -hmm. themselves, who they are. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing in order for a person to really worship God is to understand that in him, mm -hmm. they live, move, and have their being. Mm -hmm. That whatever faculties or cognitions they have in terms of thought process and intellectual ideas, mm -hmm. uh, strength, things they do or perform, create with their hands, mind, body, all of that is an expression of a God that gave it prior to you using it. Mm -hmm. So therefore, your worship comes out of recognition that without him, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. And so I, I think that what that naturally leads us to say is that on one sense, all of life is worship. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. You're worshiping mm -hmm. something. Um, and so on one hand, worship does not end when you walk out of church. No, sir. Um, it, it, in, in fact, I think we're really bad not only to say that worship is limited at church, but to think that worship is limited to the songs that we sing at church, mm -hmm. and then worship stops. I think that's a really unbiblical view of what worship is. Um, so on one hand, you know, worship is everything, you yeah. know, all the time. And, and, and based on kind of what you just said, that, mm -hmm. that viewpoint stifles what happens in worship. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is we end up coming to church waiting to experience worship rather than adding our contribution from a daily walk with God to the worship setting mm -hmm. where all of us have gathered. Right, right. <clears throat> and so I wrote down the thing, you know, how we understand who we are in the face of a holy God dictates the lens from which we see our lives mm -hmm. and therefore directs our worship. Mm -hmm. It becomes more than a Sunday morning experience. It crosses over into everyday activity, for instance. Mm -hmm. I hit a golf shot that was awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, that thing just, boom. I said, well, yeah, that's it right there. Mm -hmm. Well, in that moment, I thanked God because he enabled me to pull it off. Mm -hmm. Even though my arm swung the club, even though I made contact with the ball, it was this God in me mm -hmm. that gave me the faculties to put it all together. So I thank him for it. Mm -hmm. And then, man, God, that's an yeah. awesome thing. I thank you. Mm -hmm. So that in and of itself can become worship. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good practice just to try to thank God for what you often take for granted. Mm -hmm. You know, like for, you know, for example, I'm sure that a lot of people listening to this probably enjoy a good cup of coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. And we just take it for granted because for a lot of us, it's just a habit. We just get up in the morning and we have our coffee and we go about our day. Uh, but I mean, like that, that's a gift. That's not something that we can take for granted. But for whatever reason, God made this world in such a way that there are coffee beans and we get to have them and enjoy them. And in the particular land that we live in, we have a whole bunch of them, all different kinds. All too. different kinds. And, uh, and so, you know, that's worth just showing some gratitude for. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, the, and that kind of gets at the individual thing. But where we're, I think where we're pointing to now, since we've already alluded to church, is that Worship is also something that we do together. And while on one level I am worshiping all the time by myself, there is something special that happens when we are together at church on a Sunday morning. And that worship includes patterns and rituals and things that we do together. How is that different? How is that special? Yeah, you have something that's called high church. Mm-hmm low church, and then you have contextual out of those two environments, worship liturgy. Mm -hmm. Then you have a call and response that happens in both of those settings, but in different ways. Right. High church, when you think about that, you think about the big cathedral, you think about the great big pipe organ and the congregation mm -hmm. singing and, and boisterous praise to God. And mm -hmm. then you think about what we consider to be low church, 
where we have the praise and worship songs and the band with the guitar and all that kind of stuff. All that, all that goes in together to create what we identify as a worship setting in church. Right. And so, um, when we look at the idea of what what we do in church, those backgrounds tend to shape mm-hmm. how we understand the worship contents. Let yeah, let me um, let me hang out on that for a second, right quick. And I, I want to back up actually just a second, going back to where we were talking about the individual thing. While it's important that we worship individually, we are not called to worship only individually. That's right. And so, you know, people will say the same, well, I can worship God from my deer stand. Mm-hmm. Well, to skip out, yeah, to skip out, you know, on, on beach, church all the time the is actually to, to sin against God because he said don't neglect gathering with other believers. Yeah, because we need each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God... God called us together, man. Right, exactly, exactly. And so this corporate together worship experience, whether it's high church or low church or whatever, when we worship together, that should bring about some kind of unity so that we're not just all our own little individuals with no connection to each other. That experience is supposed to somehow be unifying, yeah. But what you just brought up a second ago, when you brought up high church, low church, all that kind of stuff, more often than not, in our experience, worship is not unifying. It's actually the exact opposite mm, of that. Right. Because chances are, if you go to 10 different churches, you're going to see 10 different worship styles. And people will fight. Churches have, have split over worship. Should we use hymnals or projectors? Should we sing hymns? Should we sing new music? How often do we take the Lord's Supper? How you know? How do we do all this stuff? And it's not just a recent thing that's been going on for ever, right? And so, why is it that instead of being this this experience that is unifying, worship has so often been a point of contention and conflict? Well, from my from my background, I've I've been in a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I've played music in lots of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you name it, just about I've stood in it and done mm-hmm. it. <clears throat> I would reference that it's preference, mm-hmm. historical context, denominational beliefs and practices, mm-hmm. what we deem is appropriate, mm-hmm. and because we like what we like, we don't want to be open to experience anything else. Mm-hmm. That's it in a nutshell. That, that's, that's kind of a lot right there. That, 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 yeah. That's mm-hmm. it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. All of those things color how we worship. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, I grew up in... You know, National Baptist Convention, we're in a black church. Mm-hmm. Preached in that, pastored in that, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. But I have, I've also served in white context, mm-hmm. you know, where we had worship and so forth. And so some songs cross over, mm-hmm. and there's this mutuality in worship. Mm-hmm. But there are some songs that don't. Mm-hmm. And what we oftentimes do is take for granted that the songs we grew up singing and participating mm-hmm. in, they automatically are the other people's songs as well. Mm-hmm. But they're not, even if they identify themselves as hymns. Mm-hmm. They are different types, different fields, different movements, and all of those things cause people angst. Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking, I guess, yesterday or whatever, we're talking about the whole idea of change mm-hmm. and how people struggle with change. Well, mm-hmm. when you come to worship to do songs and worship mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, people don't want to change. Mm-hmm. And because they don't want to change, they won't open themselves up to see what God, what God is doing in another setting. Mm-hmm. And so their preferences and proclivities outweigh their should be commitment to be one body in Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's so many differences. 
Yeah, I uh, I remember somebody talking about that issue once, and they were saying that, you know, for so many people, work their church where they worship is a constant. When everything else in the world is going nuts and crazy, it's this thing that can they can return to. It, it kind of feels like home in a way. Mm-hmm. And so when things start changing, it can be threatening because now you're changing their home. You're changing that. Mm-hmm. It, it, you're, you're in a way you're kind of threatening their security and oftentimes that's not what any pastor or anybody else is intending to do what they're trying to do is make it a more welcoming home for more people but a lot of people just don't see it that way and so I, I think that a lot of our issues just come down to a lack of understanding more often than not there are a handful of things where I would say you know I, I think we should do worship this way and not that way but a lot of times what happens is, is we sort of have our preferences. We have the way that we know worship, the way that we want to do worship, and the songs that we like and are familiar to us. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that sort of falls outside that box we're not familiar with, and so we come at it with this judgmental and critical attitude, and we see all that's wrong with it when really we're not equipped to understand it. I, I think this would be really dramatic if we were to look at worship you know, somewhere across the world. You know, I can get, you know, and we've actually, I think you showed a video once at church of, uh, it was somewhere in Africa, I don't remember where, but people were, people were, you know, singing and dancing and worshiping. And it looked very different Mm -hmm. from what we regularly experience here. And if you were to just take, pick that up and drop it here, it wouldn't work because it doesn't make sense in this context. But in that context, it does. And it's God honoring worship because it's appropriate to where they're at and, you know, we have ways that we do worship that is appropriate to where mm-hmm. we're at. It wouldn't be right for us to point fingers at each other because we don't understand the situations that we happen to be in and what we're trying to do. Does that? Am I rambling too much? Yeah, there? no, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But but my pushback to that mm-hmm. is that while we don't understand it, the greater question is, do we want to? Yes, mm-hmm. that's the greater question. Mm-hmm. Because I've been in a lot of situations where I absolutely didn't understand what was going on around me. Mm-hmm. But because I'm a sure. child of God and my Lord's name is over the door of that church, I have a right to be there. And by default, mm-hmm. I also have a responsibility to worship mm-hmm. with the people that I'm sitting in the room with, right. whether mm-hmm. I like it mm-hmm. or don't like it. It's really incidental. Mm-hmm. The question is, is does the question is whether or not the theology is true, mm-hmm. whether or not the lyrics to the songs are true, whether mm-hmm. they empower and strengthen and give reverence and posture mm-hmm. to our God. I'm about to shout on. I'm, I'm right. literally, man, about mm-hmm. to shout on air. Mm-hmm. If they do that, mm-hmm. then something in me says worship. Mm-hmm. Something in me says give him praise. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and this is the truth. I've been in the Catholic church where you could have heard a roach walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally. Yeah. And I and the and the priest said something. I said, "Hey, man." Hey, mm-hmm. I had to look around because my voice echoed all through the room because mm-hmm. I'm the only dude in there mm-hmm. that would say, hey, "Man," in that posture or that way. Right, right. But man, it was it was just one of those moments. So for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. it was worship. Yeah, it was worship. And I, I think, yeah, we we need to get into this next stuff. But just on that note, right there, you know, worship is something that's commanded. Yeah. of us to do. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us, are, we wouldn't say this, but in reality, we wait for worship to happen to us. But worship isn't something that happens to you. Yeah. Now, worship is always something that God initiates because without God's move, none of us would be worshipers. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we, it, worship is a response to what God is doing that we offer back to him in praise. And so you can't just sit on your hands and wait for it to happen to you. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and 
without belaboring the point, I remember being in the context, and I I remember a preacher who happened to be white sharing with me what it what it was like or meant to be in worship and all that kind of stuff. And I remember finding out that somehow or another because I come from a uh, a tradition that shouts and praises God and calls and responds back to the preacher or to the singing that somehow or another that that was a lower in a lower intellectual representation of praise mm-hmm. that somehow or another I was out of control and I wasn't smart mm-hmm. because I did that. And people who were able to sit there and listen mm-hmm. and engage with their mind without speaking somehow that that was a higher form of worship. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself that right there ain't true. Mm-hmm. We shout because we are agreeing with the thing we've heard. Mm -hmm. And as a community, call and response says, you said it, we're responding back. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it's a matter of recognition Mm -hmm. and not uh, this sense of being intellectually subordinate. Mm -hmm. So when you you were talking about that, that's one of the things I've experienced. And it shouldn't be that way Mm -hmm. because... Different people, as you said, from different parts of the world, worship different ways. Mm-hmm. But God is the same among us all right. of mm-hmm. every tribe, nation, and tongue. So mm-hmm. anyway. Right. So without <coughs> belaboring all the differences and trying to evaluate what's good, what's better, and all that kind of stuff, I think that the most beneficial way for us to go about the rest of this conversation is to talk about what we hold in common. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just we little Southern Baptists, but the church, the church. in general. Yeah. Um, what do we hold in common in our worship and how are those things working to unify us? And so the very first and most important thing out of which everything else flows is the object of our worship, which is the crucified and risen Jesus on one hand. And, and because we know him, the, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on the other, right? That That's who we worship and we have to get that right or else nothing else works because it's not even just that not even just that we worship that God but we worship through that God and I I pulled up some scriptures and I don't know if we want to read them or not but we worship the Father through the Son and in the Spirit Mm -hmm. every time we gather that's a Trinitarian thing we're we're not we're never worshiping on our own out of nothing we're always responding to what God is doing in through and around us and so yeah, yeah. you know god's identity is foundational and that really overlaps with last week yeah. when we were talking about doctrine and that's how these yeah. two things are are connected so we you have anything to add to that because i just cause well, i just i'm shooting off now so. no you <laughs> look like you wanted to preach a little bit to me but uh for me man that that's the reason why i can't help myself when mm-hmm. that that's why i can't help shouting mm-hmm. and praising god mm-hmm. and talking because there's this foundational tenet mm-hmm. that says he was once dead Mm-hmm. But now he lives. Right. And he lives because the father mm-hmm. made a, an executive order to get him up. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus said, I got to go so that I can be everywhere. And I'm going to see the Holy Ghost. I'm going to mm-hmm. see the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea that they deserve our worship, our praise, because what we are and have the possibility of being mm-hmm. rest in what they've already done. Every person lives. Mm-hmm. Every person does things in their life. Every person dies, but mm-hmm. doesn't. every person does not mm-hmm. get up. Mm-hmm. There is one that mm-hmm. got up. Yep. That's and right. when he got up, mm-hmm. he declares that it's all under my authority mm-hmm. and he deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. And so 
for me, the practicality of our worship is Him. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's just let's just have church and celebrate a God that looks beyond our faults and meets our needs. So this is Eli from the future, and I'm just jumping in to let you know that there is more of this conversation left. But just for the sake of time, we have decided to split this episode in half. So if you'll be on the lookout next week, we will release the second half of this conversation. You definitely do not want to miss it. I hope you'll tune in and that you'll hear from us next week. Until then, you've been listening to Soul Food. Soul Food.